Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Our speaker today isn't physically present with us in the room, but is coming uh, directly to you in your home from, I believe, her own home. Lucy, it is great to be with you today, or for you to be with us, um, even if it is via technology. Where are you currently in the world right now? Well, hi, Matt, and hi, Ivy. It's really brilliant to be joining you today. I'm actually in Bristol so not that far away, but um, a bit of a way down south. I love the fact that we have been able to... We've been doing this, haven't we, for near, almost a year now, beaming into people's homes um, with technology. And it's great that despite the current pandemic restrictions, we can still uh, have you join us. And that's just so good. But you've been a, a friend and connected with Ivy for many years now, um, I'd love for, you, for some people out there who may not know who you are, um, may have not heard your name before, this may be the first time they've seen your face, um, I'd love for them to get to know you a little bit. Um, so what, does, uh, what is that connection, what has that connection been like with Ivy and um, what, what do you get up to on your Mondays to Fridays? Um, yeah, well, my job is as the principal of WTC and we have hub partners all around the country and one of our really special partners is Ivy, Manchester. And we formed that partnership many years ago uh, with Anthony and have got to know a lot of you very well as um, all your leaders have come to study with us. And I teach Christian doctrine at WTC and spiritual formation and absolutely love it. And we love our partnership with Ivy, which, of course, meets at the message. Um, so that's my one of my connections with Ivy. But another one that people might know me a bit better, some people, as Roscoe's mum, <laughs> which I am, uh, and very proud to be Roscoe's mum, because he was obviously at Ivy for many years. And I'm also then Aoife's mother-in-law. Yeah, lots of connections. Oh, it's so good. And, and we love uh, the connection and the relationship, the friendship that's grown over the years. Um, you mentioned WTC. I just want to say to anybody who's watching and tuning in to this today, um, you can engage with WTC. Um, I do not class myself as a theologian in any way, but when I came and joined on staff here at Ivy, I was encouraged to go and do a course at WTC, and I did, and it was great. It's so good. And as Lucy has already mentioned, there has been... Probably we're getting close to hundreds, I would have thought, of people through this church who have engaged in WTC. So you can head to their website. You can check out all of the different courses that are going on. I'm sure there is one for you. You don't have to be a theologian to get involved, but it's great to get that um, depth and knowledge and understanding of the Bible in, in a different way with others who very much, I found, were in a similar situation to me as well. Mm. Lucy, I would love to pray for you before we hear the message that you're going to bring this morning. We're really excited for that, but let me pray and then I'm going to hand over to you. So Lord, I just want to thank you for your child, Lucy. I thank you that she is a woman of faith and I thank you 
for the time, the preparation, the, the love uh, that she has put into the message this morning. But Father, I pray that her words would be your words. Um, I just got a sense this morning um, where it says in the scriptures about your word being a double-edged sword. And Father, I pray that your words this morning that you speak through your servant Lucy would, would pierce us. Lord, that they would challenge, convict, but they would also encourage and we would feel loved by them. So Lord, I pray for Lucy now as she shares. Lord, would you bless her? Would you fill her afresh? Would you anoint her afresh this morning? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, um, everyone. It's so lovely to be with you. And I can't wait till um, I can come up and see you all in person, which hopefully will be reasonably soon. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy 1. Um, we won't read the whole thing through first. So if you just have that in front of you, that would be great. This is a letter that we're looking at. So we're starting a series in 1 Timothy. And also do read 2 Timothy as well, because those two letters go together. So this is a letter from an older uh, mentor and father figure to a young leader encouraging him to tackle really difficult, really thorny issues in the church where people who are older than him and um, had more authority than him in some ways or thought they did, had gone completely off the rails. And this is a letter encouraging Timothy to like grasp different nettles um, not to be intimidated by the fact that he's young. Um, it's a letter encouraging him to grow in his gifting, to set a good example and to encourage him to persevere in the faith. So it's written to the church in Ephesus, which is a bustling multicultural city where Paul had um, planted churches years before. And probably many, many people have been sent out from there on mission and planting churches from this kind of apostolic centre um, in Ephesus. And so it's really important that this church, these are strategic churches that Paul plants. And it's important that this church is re-centred on the truth because it's deviating from the truth. So it's really important to Paul that Timothy gets this church back on the rails, that it's re-centred on the truth and on godly living and godly behaviour. And that's what this um, letter is kind of addressing. So it's a fantastic letter. It's a great insight into Paul and into his relationship with Timothy and into the churches at Ephesus. So it's like this kind of window onto the, the first church. And it's amazing to get that kind of detail that we have um, from these early Christians. So today we're just going to be looking at the first chapter. But as I said, do read the whole letter and do read 2 Timothy as well. Um, and read them a number of times during this series. Don't, you know, don't just read it once and sort of think, oh, I've read that. The Bible's an amazing book that you can go back and back and back to. And every time you go back to something, you learn something new. 
I also just want to give a little plug um, for my husband, Nick Crawley's website, and that's called Bible for Life. So it's bibleforlife.co.uk. And if you go on there and have a look, there there are amazing resources for each book of the Bible. And so if you're studying one Timothy now, just go in and have a look and see what Nick's already written on one Timothy. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So this morning, I want to look at what this chapter tells us about perseverance in times of turmoil and uncertainty. That might sound uh, topical to you at the moment. Paul and Timothy's lives weren't exactly like ours. They lived 2000 years ago and life was very different. But there's so much in the Bible that really does speak to us today as if it's just completely relevant to the things that we are living through even today, even in such a a different world. So let's look at the beginning of chapter one. Paul writes this. This is greeting to Timothy, and he always uses a formal greeting, but then he puts in, he makes it into a Christian greeting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Saviour, and of Jesus Christ, our hope. That's his first line. Of Jesus Christ, our hope. I love that he starts with this idea of Jesus Christ, our hope, because, you know, we won't learn about perseverance. We won't be able to persevere in our faith until we know about the hope that we have in Jesus. Perseverance in a Christian sense is is attached to hope that we have in Jesus. Without hope, perseverance is really just gritting your teeth and hoping and getting to the end of the day and thinking, I've got to get through this. That's It's kind of like just grit. But perseverance in a Christian sense is really different. It's having a hope in God that there are things that we are moving towards and it's because we're moving towards the things that God has for us that we have the strength and the energy and the resilience to keep going. It's a hope that we have in God, it's not a strength that we have in ourselves. Some people just are very resilient people and they do have a lot of grit but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something else. And it's a hoping God is putting everything in his hands and believing his promises that they will come about that keeps us going, that gets us up in the morning, that gets us to the end of lockdown, that helps us to think, okay, it may look bad today, but there's things up ahead in God for us and for the people of God. So I'm going to come back to that. But let's just go um, to the first issue that Paul brings up for Timothy to have to tackle. And this is a really, really big issue in the church. So the first thing that Paul brings up for Timothy to address is something we don't really talk about much today. And that is false teaching and false teachers. 
He's talking about the distortion of the truth and really bad doctrine. And it's so serious in this church here that he even names two men at the end of the chapter, Alexander and Hymenaeus, who he excommunicates. He basically throws them out of the church because they're so dangerous and so divisive. So this is really serious what Paul is talking about. The church is in turmoil with people being led astray by false teachings on the Jewish scriptures, on what is our Old Testament. These false teachers are misleading people away from the truth about Jesus, the truth about their salvation, and the truth about the freedom that Jesus has brought to love God and to love one another and not slavishly obey laws as kind of a tick box exercise to say, oh, we've got to do all these things in order to be right with God. So what Paul says to Timothy is, yes, laws are good. They're put into place so that we know right from wrong to keep us from doing evil things, but not to give us a set of rules so that we say, oh, I I, you need to follow all these rules and that's going to make you a Christian. Now, I know that you don't need to worry about false teaching at Ivy. And I know that. But I also know that all of us now have access to a lot of teaching via the Internet. We can access teaching from anywhere in the world and really from pretty much anyone. There are endless sermons, podcasts, blog posts. Anyone can have a go. Anyone can have, a, have an opinion on something. So I think it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Who are we listening to and whose opinions shape our faith and our perspective on God? Where do we learn what we learn about God? about God as Trinity, about God as saviour in Jesus Christ, about what it means to live as a Christian. Who are we turning to? Whose voices are, are we allowing into our heads? And how do we grow in knowledge, in wisdom and discernment in the truth? so that we can spot false teaching when we hear it? How do we know when we might be listening to false teaching? What's the process of going through all of that? You see, I think it's really good for all Christians to have a way of understanding how we discern truth from falsehood. First of all, we need to test the fruit of people's teaching. Is their teaching bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ? Is it bringing people to repentance and conversion? Is the fruit of their teaching that it's bringing peace and unity or is it bringing about division and anger and enmity and hatred? In our letter, Paul talks about advancing God's work it's such a great phrase, isn't it? Advancing God's work. True, truthful teaching and good doctrine advances God's work on this earth. 
it bears fruit in people's lives. It helps the kingdom to come. It has a a godly effect on those around it. So what are we listening to? Is it advancing God's work around us? Secondly, I know that we can't know everybody personally, and some people we read, um, we read their books and they're not even alive anymore, so we certainly can't know everyone and everything about them. But we can hear the spirit behind someone's teaching. We can pray that we would discern people's characters, that we would listen to people who we think are being honest about who they are and what their lives are like, that maybe we'll look at the communities that they come from and say, well, what kind of community is that person embedded in? Are they embedded in a community? Because any teacher should be uh, embedded in a local community, in a worshipping, prayerful a trustful and faithful community at home. We need to ask those questions of the teachers that we're listening to. Discernment is really important when it comes to listening to people's teaching. And Paul says about the teachers, he says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The other thing I want to really encourage you to do, as well as praying, discerning, asking questions about the people that you're listening to, is to study for yourselves. I know in one sense, of course I would say this, (laughs) because I really believe in theological study. It's what I do um, for my life. It's kind of my life's calling. But I really honestly believe that all Christians should invest time and energy to learn about our faith, to learn our scriptures, to learn our history, to understand how we fit in and to grow in our own convictions and confidence about what we personally believe. I want to provide through WTC an opportunity for any Christian to learn in an environment of faith and fun and openness. And that's what WTC can offer people. It is challenging. And I know if you know any of your friends at Ivy who have studied with us, you will know it is challenging, but it will also enrich and nourish you to learn more about your faith in this environment. Studying Christian doctrine for me, because obviously I had to study a lot um, in order to be able to teach and now teaching it is honestly one of the greatest joys of my life because I get to talk about God the whole time. And yes, there are wrong ideas about God floating around and some of them do get a grip in the church and need to be challenged and corrected. So yes, we do want to grow into people who can discern the difference between right and wrong and follow the right paths to God. So if you have ever thought about studying or going deeper in your faith in that way, let me please encourage you to think about coming and studying with us next year. 
Secondly, I want to come back to this theme of hope and hope linked to perseverance. I'm really sure you are tired. I'm sure you're tired. Most of us really are tired by this uh, time in our history. You might be worse than that. You might be really, really exhausted. You might be very worried. You might be frightened or angry. You may have suffered a bereavement during this past year and it's really taken its toll on you. You might even have become a bit scared of going out again and it's going to take a huge effort to get back to normal life for you. You know what I find really encouraging about the Bible is that the people in the Bible weren't strangers to hardship and that is certainly true of Paul. The New Testament wasn't written in a kind of haze of amazing miracles every day. There were miracles, there were astonishing things that happened in the early church. But this was in the middle of great suffering and great hardship for the people of God. They saw friends killed, they saw people put in prison, and just life in general was pretty hard and pretty short. Many people in the ancient world were enslaved and had no rights whatsoever. There certainly wasn't the medical care that we have today. And it's in that world that Jesus came right into the middle of it to save sinners. And Paul is kind of gripped with this idea here in this letter, and he comes back to it in the first chapter. So in verse 16, he talks about, well, from verse 12, he talks about Jesus giving him strength and strengthening him. And he goes through many, many hardships, including imprisonment. And then in verse six, and he talks about his history, about being someone who had persecuted the church. And then he says in verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. You know what I love about this, about those verses, is that Paul isn't saying, Jesus did this in me so that I would be a wonderful, godly Christian example for everybody else to see how amazing I am so that they can be like me. He's actually saying completely the opposite. He's saying, I was such a mess <clears throat> and I was such an awful example of human life because I was just the worst of sinners. But now my life has become an example of God's goodness. My life has become an example of how God has poured out his grace and his mercy and his patience into me, the worst of sinners. So I'm an example 
of how amazing God is, <clears throat> not how amazing I am. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that just so liberating that God is saying, you, you don't have to be perfect. You can't be perfect, but you can be an example of what God can do in a human life. I think that's brilliant. Paul's saying, look, I was like this. I was terrible. I am like this. But God still loves me. God is so patient. God is so kind. God's so merciful to take someone like me <clears throat> and to elevate me in his kingdom, to give me the status of his son. And that's our hope. That's the gospel, that God comes in Jesus Christ to exchange his life for ours, to, to take our lives and to give us the fullness of his life into our own lives. That is incredible gift that God gives us. God is patient, merciful, kind and good. You know, life isn't really going to get easier. We, we talk about, not in a kind of big, large scale, we talk about going back to normal, don't we? And, and I think many of us just long for certain things and we long for things to, uh, to go back to a certain state. But in the big scheme of things, life just does throw hard things at us things that are unexpected, things that we didn't think we were going to have to live through. And what's so wonderful is that the Bible tells us a story of how God is in the middle of life with his people, that he's come to be with us in absolutely everything. And that's our hope, that he's gone before us and that he will give us the strength to get through and to come through to places of peace with him, places of peace even in the middle of turmoil. God strengthens us for the task of life. What will church be as we come out of this lockdown? What will our families be like? What will our jobs be like? What will we be facing? In many ways, we don't really know. But I think that we do know that we can't just go back. It's not like there is some kind of normal that we're all going to go back to because this year has changed a lot of things. And there may be more change up ahead we might feel a bit vulnerable in that. We might feel a bit lost. But perseverance, as I said in the beginning, is not about just gritting your teeth and getting through. It's about the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's about the hope that is held out to those who need to come and find God. And that will always be true. And God will always be ahead of us, moving his church to be more and more outward looking to those who need to hear uh, the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. 
So I just want to um, finish on a few pointers that come out of this, this letter to Timothy. Paul finishes this chapter in saying this. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Paul talks to Timothy about fighting a good fight about hanging in there, about holding on to the promises of God. And I think that that's really a good word for us today because we need the gift of perseverance today. We've needed it all year and we're going to need it as this year goes on. And yes, sometimes it does feel like a really big battle. But, you know, Jesus is the hope in the battle. It's not a battle that you and I have to win out of our own strength because we can't do that. We're too frail and we're too fragile and we're too vulnerable. But Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our hope. So I just want to encourage you um, at the end of this talk. First of all, remember what God has done in your life. Rehearse the good things that he's done for you. Go back over prophecies, over promises. Search the scriptures for the encouraging words of God that are spoken over his people and kind of soak in them, dwell in them, memorise them, recite them to yourself at night and as you wake up in the morning. Secondly, if you don't know Jesus yet, please come to know him. Let him into your life. Give your life to him. We'll pray at the end and make a space for that. He's the one who is able to give us strength and hope and peace in this life where we can't have it um, from within so often. And thirdly, connect to good, life-giving people. This has been a time, hasn't it, of really uh, strange, connect we have connected with one another, but also there have been times of real isolation. And as we come back into meeting one another face-to-face -face more often, I'd just like to really encourage you to look forward to building connections to look forward to re-engaging with people, to start to think, well, how was my life before? What patterns had I fallen into that perhaps I'd like to just break now and maybe form new patterns? How can I connect with new people? How can I reach out? How can I be outward looking in perhaps ways that I wasn't before? It's a good time for us to think about new rhythms, new patterns, new shapes of life. And what I love about these letters of Paul to Timothy is that what comes through is that there's so much love of Paul uh, for Timothy and such a deep connection between them. 
And one of the things that God wants for us as church is not to remain disconnected, but to reconnect in deeper and stronger loving relationships with one another. And then from that, to call other people, to invite other people to join in those relationships with us. So I hope you enjoy studying 1 Timothy. I'm sure you will. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing uh, series. And I'm just going to pray for us at the end. So um, you might like to, I don't know what you're doing at home. Maybe you're sitting on your sofa or uh, relaxing somewhere, but it might be good if you just stand to respond to God. And uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your scriptures. We thank you for the word of God that brings life, that points us to your son, that brings truth, that spreads light into our lives, that brings freedom to our hearts and our minds. And we thank you, Lord, today for Ivy, for every single person who's come to church today. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those who don't yet know you, who are maybe thinking that they would like to know you. And I pray uh, that you would bring them into a living faith with you, Lord Jesus, that they would see you today, that they would give their lives to you. And I pray for your blessing on this church, on all that it is and on all that it's going to become this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.